Cool. For those of you that don't know, um, I'm Nathan, and I'm married to my beautiful wife, Jade. Um, and um, yeah, if you can, uh, sorry, the title of my preach today is uh, What's the Cost? And I'm sure some of you are sick of hearing that you need to pay for something, paying for houses, paying for cars, paying for kids' school fees, paying for whatever it is, food, the list goes on. Um, but hopefully by the end of today, um, you'll be encouraged by the fact that there's something that will cost you a life, but give you a greater return in the process. If you can all turn your Bibles to, um, to Luke chapter 9, verse 57 to 62, if you have them. Otherwise, uh, I think Shepard's going to throw them up on the, on the slide there. So the title of the, the, sorry, the, title of, um, the scripture that I'm reading today is The Cost of Discipleship. Now it happened as they journeyed on the road that someone said to him, Lord, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said to him, Foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. Then he said to another, Follow me. But he said, Lord, let me go first, let me first go and bury my father. Jesus said to him, Let the dead bury their own dead, but you go and preach the kingdom of God. And another also said, Lord, I will follow you, but let me first go and bid them farewell who are at my house. But Jesus said to him, No one having put his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. Jesus definitely never minced his words. Sorry, I just need to go over. So in verse 58, where Jesus says to him, foxes, of the hole, foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. I spent some time looking into this, and in this scripture, um, Jesus is talking to the scribes at the time. And um, it is one of the scribes that proclaims very boldly that he'll follow Jesus. Um, and basically Jesus turns around and says what he says to him. Because the, the scribes of the day were quite well off um, and generally were very comfortable um, and earned a, a, a good salary or amount of money or whatever it was at the time, or referred to as. And um, what Jesus is essentially saying to them is that him and his disciples were, were basically homeless um, traveling ministers. Um, and he's saying, um, in saying this, he was questioning the scribes if they have the ability to leave their comforts and follow him. In reading the scripture, it could be easy to think that Jesus is being quite harsh um, in saying, let the dead go bury their own dead. Um, but I read a text that covered the scripture, um, that, and they make mention that the people Jesus is calling um, are using excuses in the form of responsibility before following him. I'd like to propose that even today, Jesus is not asking us to abandon our responsibility, but he's asking us to choose him regardless of our responsibility. For those of you that don't know, I recently married my now beautiful wife, Jade. Um, and uh, yeah, we, we got engaged about a year and a half ago um, and then planned to have our wedding on um, the 4th of December. But in that whole process, um, all of you see us now as the Reardons, but you didn't get to see the uh, process of, uh, and all the preparation and the tears and, the, um, and most of all the cost that goes into planning for a wedding. Um, as a part of our um, planning process, we went and sat the one day and we, um, we, we did a budget for, for the wedding and um, as we sat we, we went very exciting, excitedly um, and we um, 
built a spreadsheet, we um, kind of calculated everything, we got some figures from friends um, we, so that had been previously just gotten married, um, and we thought, sheesh, we, okay, we, we're waxing this thing. We got to the end of the day, and um, we, we saw the, the total and the cost uh, and what it would cost us, and we were completely overwhelmed at what this wedding was going to cost us. Um, and when we looked at our budget, our first thought was, how are we going to afford this? But we felt God speaking to us and really just asking us to say yes um, to trusting him in our process. The whole process of um, planning for the wedding required a tremendous amount of sacrifice from Jade and I to see it come to fruition. But in it, we had realized that we were willing to pay a price. We were willing, sorry, we were willing to pay a price and make the sacrifices necessary to have our special day happen. When we said yes to him and had the faith to see it come through, God came through in a wild way. You see, you are always willing to sacrifice for what you value. Jesus sacrificed his life for us so he could have a relationship with us. He paid the ultimate price um, for your lives so you could choose what to do with yours. Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians 7 verse 23, You were bought at a price, so do not become bondservants of men. For a lot of us in this room, the thing that God is calling you to is going to look um, foolish to most, and it's probably not going to be safe. Um, one, of the, one of David's biggest blunders in the Bible happened when he should have been in the war zone rather than at home, where he made Bathsheba pregnant. God redemptively rectified the story to ultimately give us Solomon and then Jesus in his lineage, but I think it's clear to see that God wants us where he's called us, regardless of safety. It's very easy to get into our safe spots um, and rely on our comforts rather than following Jesus. And I do it all the time. You know, when I get there, then I'll do this. Or when I have that, then I'll do um, whatever it is that he's calling me to. And I realize that some of this is patience and wisdom, because God may be telling you to wait, but a lot of the times it's just fear. Your calling is always going to cost you something. And it's going to require faith um, that is paramount to see it happen. It comes at a cost to fulfill, but often the reward of trusting God cannot be compared to anything else. I realize it's a big thought, but if you want to change a city, you have to rely on God for avenues to do so before you can see how you're going to do it. You need to dream with God and it's going to cost you something. In verse 59, um, where the man Jesus is speaking to says, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. Um, I read a note against us that basically says this man is waiting for his father to die to receive his, his earthly inheritance before he follows Jesus. And um, today, how many of us are waiting for an earthly inheritance before we say yes to Jesus? In um, Luke 10, after the, um, the passage I just read, Jesus sends out the 70 disciples. Um, and I'd like to think that all of these disciples were around when um, Jesus was speaking about the cost of discipleship. And I think, I believe that when you say yes, Jesus is going to send you. And he's going to, he might just send you to make disciples of all nations within your city, but he may send you some of you overseas and to plant churches and to do that when you say yes. So do we want to be like Mary and pour our oil out at Jesus' feet? Or do we want to be like the disciples and shun, um, Mary, and shun those wasting their lives for him? If we want to be poured out, we have to give him everything.
Recently, I've been reading about the Welsh Revival in 1904, um, where God used Evan Roberts powerfully after completely surrendering his life to God, and used him to usher in revival in the Welsh nation and throughout the world. When they experienced revival, they not only saw souls saved, but they saw a cultural shift. And I'm going to read an excerpt from um, Defining Moments by Bill Johnson on the Welsh Revival. The Welsh Revival was not merely a revival of souls saved. It included cultural transformation as well. The reports of the revival in the press were positive. Shops closed down early so the owners could get a seat at revival meetings. Bibles flew off shelves in bookstores. People with long-standing debts paid them in full and relationships were reconciled. Drunkenness and crime drastically declined. Some people characterized the movement by the most remarkable confession of sins, confession that must be costly. In Lanfair in Anglesey, every public bar but one was closed. In Glamorgan, convictions for drunkenness went from 10,528 in 1903 to 5,490 in 1906. The workhorses in the mines no longer knew how to respond to the commands of the workers. One manager said that the workers used to drive their horses by obscenity and kicks. Now they can hardly persuade the horses to start working because there are no obscenity and no kicks. All of this happened after one man, uh, one month after one man gave his complete yes and fully surrendered his life to God. What if your yes is key to revival in our city? If we want to see revival in Durban, we have to be a people that say yes. God blesses us with revival, but he ushers it in um, he ushers it in on the faith of ordinary people that say yes to him and pay a price. I believe that with the people saying yes, we'll see revived families, revived businesses, revived people, and who wants to see that for our city? Besides seeing revival in Durban, what if the thing that God is calling you to is the start of heaven invading your life and changing your family lineage for decades to come? About a month after Jade and I had this budget discussion, um, I had, uh, there was a, a, a role that was um, advertised at work. I'd applied for it the year before um, and didn't uh, end up getting it after I got interviewed um, and was quite like um, upset about not being, um, getting the role, but I thought, okay, cool, I obviously just don't have the experience for it. Um, and the role was advertised again, so I thought, okay, I'm gonna apply again and, and go for it. Um, so I applied and I got interviewed and it, um, Seemed like it was going well, um, and then year end came, our financial year end, and um, I got a great raise in my current role, so it was beautiful. And Jade and I were so stoked, and God was so in our process, um, and you know, after saying yes to him, it was beautiful to see that. About a week after that, um, HR contacted me to tell me that I'd just got the role um, that, yeah, that uh, I'd applied for and been interviewed for again. Um, and Basically, when they got back to me, they had told me what my new um, package was, and it completely overwhelmed Jade and I, and it, was, it blew any expectations we had out of the water. Um, and uh, yeah, we trusted God in this process, and we saw him come through and multiply more than we could have ever imagined. And even when a year before, I had dealt with the disappointment of not getting the role at the time and, and not understanding why, God was in the details. We went from not knowing how we could afford the wedding to be able to, have, to, to having more than enough um, to afford it. Um, and it was a beautiful thing, and it was probably one of the best days of our lives, and it was better than we could have ever imagined. 
And if we hadn't trusted God, I think we'd still be engaged. <laughs> so yeah, Glenridge, today I just want to encourage you all to look at your lives and consider the price that you're willing to pay um, to fulfill your call. It's a bold question that sometimes just requires a small yes to change the trajectory of your life. May we be a people that are willing to make sacrifices uh, for what God is calling us to and steward the call of God on our lives. Some of you here today are probably wondering what cost you could pay um, or what, what you even have to offer Jesus. And I'd like to pray for you this morning um, and ask the Holy Spirit to reveal this to you in a powerful way. I read a quote from Charles Spurgeon the other day that said, Whether we like it or not, asking is a rule of the kingdom. If you may have everything by asking in his name and nothing without asking, I beg you to see how absolutely vital prayer is. So I encourage you to spend time in prayer and just ask the Father to reveal this to you, what your yes is. There are also some of you here today that need to say yes before being passionate about something. That thing you know God is calling you to. I dare you to say yes and see what happens next. And well done to those who are stewarding your yes. I pray that you're encouraged today to keep on pushing in um, and stewarding what God's called you to. So yeah, I'm just going to pray to, to close and then I'm going to hand over to my, my beautiful wife. So Father, we love you. We thank you for what you did for us on the cross so we could say yes to you. We thank you for everything you're doing in this house, Lord. We pray that our hearts are encouraged this morning um, to say yes to you and to yeah, just to follow the, just to say yes to the call of God in their lives, God. We thank you, Holy Spirit, that you move in a powerful way and reveal people's yeses to them this morning. We love you and we honor you, Father. Amen. Okay. Thank you, Dad, that you are here with us today. Father, we thank you that you are here and that you are speaking through me. I pray that my words are clear. And that I only speak your truth, Father. I thank you that your love is strong. And I thank you that we can lean on you. We love you. Amen. Good morning, Glenridge. So cool to be up here. Um, thank you, babe, for such an encouraging word. It was so powerful. Um, and yeah, just thank you to the, the elders and especially to Ray and Kathy for just cheering us on and pouring all your time and effort into us. I know it wasn't easy with a bunch of um, kids you had to deal with. <laughs> um, so if you can please turn with me in your Bibles to Romans 8, verse 14 to 15. So we're going to be reading from Romans 8, verse 14 to 15 today. Um, so we can read together. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption, by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. I want to start off with a thought this morning that faith is expecting the best to happen, while fear is expecting the worst. So if we understand this, expectation, or when we expect something, it means that we're preparing for something. It means that we're focused on it, and we're, we're in anticipation for that thing to happen. So what does expecting the best to happen and expecting the worst to happen look like? Faith, oh, that's quite small, sorry. <laughs> Should have made it a bit bigger, but anyways. Faith 
looks like taking risk. So what if I succeed? Whereas fear looks like avoiding risk. So what if I fail? Faith looks like resting when fear can look like toiling. Faith often takes the form of trust when fear takes the form of control. And faith blooms confidence and it generates more faith, whereas fear sprouts insecurity and generates more fear. So let's unpack the scripture together. The title of my preach this morning is Fear, Meet My Father. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God. So what is the Spirit of God? Or rather, who is the Spirit of God? I'm here to tell you today, he's a part of the Trinity. He's a part of the triune Godhead. We serve a God who's three in one, Father, Son, and Spirit. And if you're born again, he's living inside of you. In John 16, verse 7, when Jesus is about to ascend to heaven after his resurrection, um, he says to his disciples that in, in order for the Spirit of God to come, he must leave and he must ascend to heaven. And when he refers to the Spirit of God, he calls him the friend, the helper, the comforter, or the advocate, depending on the translation you read. And these descriptions all give us insights into the person of God. The friend, he's our helper, he's our guide, our comforter, and our advocate. He fights for us on behalf of us. So when you are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. Now, there's two parts to sonship um, and being a son of God. In the Old Testament, when um, the scripture was, was written, when Paul was writing a letter to the Romans, um, sonship had, to had a lot to do with vocation and inheritance. So vocation is your trade or what you do for work. It's your calling. So sons would be identified as their father's sons by the trade that they performed. They would learn their trade from their fathers. So if a man was a blacksmith or a fisherman or like Joseph, who was a carpenter, they taught that trade to their sons. And then they could be recognized by the community um, in the trade that they performed. So for us, we learn the trade from our father when we are led by Holy Spirit. Then we are recognized as the sons of God. The second part to sonship is inheritance. So if you were the firstborn son of a family, you would inherit the father's treasures. The treasure that we inherit as sons of God is his kingdom. In the message translation, this scripture reads, We know who he is and we know who we are, father and children. And we know what we're going to get, what's coming to us, an unbelievable inheritance. We go through exactly what Christ goes through. If we go through the hard times with him, then we'll certainly go through the good times with him. And in 2 Timothy 1 verse 7, it very clearly states that God has not given us a spirit of fear, but a spirit of power, love, and a sound mind. So when we are led by Holy Spirit and we learn his trade, we receive his inheritance of a sound mind as his children. And this is the thing, it's an inheritance. We don't have to earn it, so we can simply receive from him. So the next section of this scripture says, for you did not receive a spirit of bondage against a fear. Like I said, it's our inheritance that we receive. We don't have to earn our way into it. Now, slavery was another common practice during the time of the scripture when it was written. 
And when Paul was speaking to the Roman church, he was speaking into a very current affair and something that they could understand. There were slaves and masters in every household. So when he, when he says that we did not receive a spirit of bondage to fear, he radically breaks this idea that our relationship with God is one of a slave and a master. He says we did not receive the spirit of bondage to fear. And in our contemporary world, this um, spirit of bondage can be equated to heavy religious duties, fear of not being good enough for God, works, measuring up, trying to earn your place. And just in case this is news, you can't earn your salvation. It's a gift. It's something that Jesus did for us. He saved us. There's nothing you can do to be saved other than just receive the gift. So we're, be call, we're called to be led by the Spirit of God and be sons of God. It's a relational affair. When we rely on re religious works to earn our place as children of God, instead of just freely, freely receiving our sonship, this is when we tie our knots in the ropes of our spiritual bondage. So about two years ago, um, I had an experience where I was attacked um, by a spirit of bondage to fear. Um, and it was illogical, and I was crippled by um, night terrors, and I was extremely scared. And it was so illogical, it doesn't make sense in the natural world. Um, but I found comfort in being awake, when I could use spiritual works to let me feel safe. But the problem was that they were works, they were not what God had asked me to do. All he'd asked me to do was sleep and rest in him. I knew God the Father at an intellectual level, but I didn't actually trust him to defend me when I was sleeping. And then the one day um, I was walking through the house and my dad, my earthly dad, um, noticed that I was looking down and tired and he asked what was going on. Um, and at the time, there was stuff in the flat that I was um, sleeping in that um, wasn't mine. And so I asked him, there was a particular painting, and I asked him if he could remove the painting for me. And um, no questions asked, he came in, he swooped into my situation, he took the painting out of the room and discarded of it for good. Um, and he said to me, if there was anything else that I needed removed, to so just ask him. Um, I, he didn't need an explanation, I could just ask. And so... You know, we're human, and um, I love my dad so much, but we're human, and we're imperfect. But our Heavenly Father is perfect. So if my earthly dad could love me so well and so much, how much more does our Heavenly Father love us and want to swoop into our situations and remove whatever fear is lying there? And sometimes the spirit of bondage to fear doesn't look like the night terrors I was experiencing. Sometimes it could look like a fear of failure. It could look like a fear of not having enough financially or time-wise. It could look like a fear of not being enough. It could look like fear of man, wanting to please people and impress others all the time. It could even be crippling phobias. And I want to say, if you are battling with any of these fears that I've mentioned, just get this. You have received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. So, Abba, in the Aramaic language, actually means dad. Um, like I said, slavery was a common practice during this time, and um, the slaves could not refer to the master of the house as Abba. It was only reserved for the children. 
but we are not slaves to a master, we are children to a father. And I have a special nickname that I call my dad, that no one else can call him, not even my sister calls him that, it's only reserved for me. And that's the kind of relationship that we get to have with our Heavenly Father. It's the kind of relationship we would get to say, Abba, Father, help. So two weeks ago, or three weeks ago, I can't remember now, but Joey Romeo came and he preached at our church, um, and he spoke about his adopted baby girl that they've just added to the family. And there are three things that I want us to take away from his story of adoption with his little baby girl. So the first thing is that she received the gift of his last name and her whole new identity as his daughter, the same way that we are new creations who are born again, and we receive the identity of our Father in heaven. Our old selves are dead, and our new creations are living. Secondly, she receives an inheritance, just like Joey's biological children do, the same way that we receive our inheritance with Jesus and his kingdom. And the third thing is that she's a part of the new family and gets to call Joey dad, the same way we get to call God our father, Abba. So if you're sitting here today um, while I've been speaking and you feel like this is resonating, there's something you know, around fear that you're battling with, I want to just tell you today that he is your dad, that you can hide in him, you can confide in him, he wants to defend us. He wants to swoop into our situations. He wants you to ask for help. I think that's the beautiful thing, is that it's not a big ask for him. He's ready and waiting. As soon as you say help, he's there. And he wants to swoop in and defend you. So I encourage you to cry out and ask him for help. And then watch as he comes to your rescue and empowers you to then walk freely and boldly as his children. So when we're led by Holy Spirit, we are sons of God. We do not receive the spirit of fear. We are adopted into his family and we receive our inheritance of his kingdom. And a part of that inheritance is a sound mind.